Hey guys, I just want to extend a quick offer to you because, you know, as knitters, I know that you love audiobooks because I love audiobooks. Let's face it, we want to keep our hands busy knitting, right? I mean, this is the truth. So, as a special gift for you, listeners of the Power Pearls podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service for free. So all you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash powerpearls to get your free download and start your free trial today. The world needs creative people. If you have an idea or something you want to explore that I feel like that's, you know, it's important for you to do that and to share it with the world. And so that's sort of the advice that I would want to share with other people. And the work that I do is all about that. If you have something creative that you want to express, that you, you need to do that and share it with people. That was Sarah E. White of the popular knit news website, Craft Gossip and KnittingAbout.com. On this episode of the Power Pearls podcast, where you'll always hear candid conversations with everyday knitters and designers with compelling backstories. I'm Kara Gott Warner, editor of Creative Knitting Magazine, and I will always dig deep and ask the big question, why we started knitting and what keeps our needles going. Thanks for joining me again for another episode of Power Pearls Podcast. Today, I am joined by Sarah E. White, who runs the knitting websites for about.com and craftgossip.com and has been writing about knitting and designing knitting projects as at least part of her job for almost nine years. She's the author of three knitting books, the most recent of which, Colorwork Knitting, 25 Spectacular Sweaters, Hats, and Accessories, and it was published in April of this year. Sarah also writes about crafting with kids and for kids, creativity for moms and other busy people, and creating the life you've always wanted at her blog, Our Daily Craft. So you'll have to check that out. Thanks for joining me today, Sarah. This is awesome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. All right. So I provided just a little bit, you know, an overview of you with the listeners. So can you just jump in here and just share a little bit more about yourself personally and, and about what you do? Um, yeah, um, I sort of think of myself as a general craft enabler and that as much of my work as I can, I am trying to encourage people to um, engage in craft, whether it's knitting or other things with creating with kids and that sort of thing too. Um, but yeah, I um, just really love creating. I think that we're all creative and all need to be creative in some way in our lives. And so that's always been a big part of my life. And I'm glad that I have figured out a way to sort of make it a job and get to spend my life helping people, you know, learn how to knit and do other creative things. And yeah, I mean, that you get to, to live your passion, right? Um, so and, and you know, how long have you been doing this? I mean, so you've got, um, you know, I'll back up a little. So you've got um, aboutknitting.com and uh, Craft Gossip and your blog. So you're the editor of both About Knitting and 
craft gossip, correct? Yes. And I started um, about knitting, I guess, nine years ago. And I've done craft gossip for maybe three years now, I think. I can't remember. Um, And then my blog, Our Daily Craft, um, has gone through some evolution. In the beginning, it wasn't really about crafting, but it's probably been seriously about crafting since my daughter was born and she just turned six. So lots of craft writing out there. Yeah. Well, how do you juggle it all? Because, you know, I know that, okay, so craft gossip is daily, right? And um, does knitting about, it's sort of like, it's almost like a syndicate or like, I don't know if I'm even saying it right, but it's like a news page that changes automatically every day. Is that, is that how it works? Yeah, it's not really a blog, but I write articles there that are then promoted on the homepage. And then I have a newsletter that goes with that, too. And that's once a week. And then, yeah, um, uh, the craft gossip site, I update at least five times a week. So it's a lot. And then our the name, Our Daily Craft, is kind of a goal. I don't, I hardly ever actually post daily, but... <laughs> Five days a week is the goal for that too, but sometimes more than others, depending on how crazy the rest of life is at that time, because I have a six-year-old and, you know, a husband and other things that I'm doing in life. So, you know, that sort of is the last thing that gets done, but. Oh, I hear you. But at least you get to do the other stuff. I mean, that's your full-time gig, right? I mean, is to do about knitting.com and uh, craft gossip. Those are, that's like kind of yeah, like those how, are the how main you. Things that I do. Yeah. So that, that's how you pay the bills, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and so, how do you, um, you know, if you're doing those weekly and and like five to up to five times a week, right? Um, how do you how do you find the trends? How do you uh, keep it timely and updated with like what's really happening in knitting? Because you know, a lot of the listeners of this podcast are, you know, uh, they're looking for those timely projects or what's trending in knitting. So how how do you how do you stay on top of that. Yeah. Um, it's a challenge, but, um, there are, there's a way for other designers to share their projects on craft gossip. So part of it is other people sharing things with me that they've been working on, which is really fun to see what other people are doing and be able to share that. Um, you know, Google news alerts on knitting so I can see, you know, what, other people are writing about in the news when there's a big story about something knitting related um, that I can share. Um, Being on Facebook and Twitter a lot and looking, following people who are in the industry and getting a lot of newsletters from yarn companies and that kind of thing. So there's just a lot of, yeah, input that comes in and, you know, I get a lot of knitting books that are coming out and so I can see what what the book side of the industry is doing and subscribe to all the knitting magazines and so mm-hmm. there's a lot you know of taking in things to be able to find what you know is going on to to share with everyone else so yeah and so you're like a filter you know <laughs> you take it in and you and you send it out and um you know what about you know, article, do you ever have contributors or people that come in to do, um, you know, special articles for, for either of the, of the sites? Um, yeah, sometimes a lot of it is just me, but, um, sometimes people will, will ask to do, um, something special for one of the sites, or I'll do an interview if somebody has a book coming out or something that 
you know, becomes more the other person than me. Um, so that's another fun way to get to share what other people are doing mm-hmm. with others. So, yeah. Cool. So, um, and you have a book, right? I mean, we, you have a book that's, that came out in April and that's like a big deal for you right now. I mean, it, how, you know, so tell me about that. Tell me about your, your book. Okay. That's, um, it's actually yeah. my third book, which is fun. Um, but the latest one is, is called Colorwork Knitting and it's, um, sort of branching off from what I do at About, which is a lot of teaching of techniques and things. So um, it has five different color work techniques. So it's um, working with self-striping yarn, knitting your own stripes, um, stranded knitting, um, slip stitch knitting, and intarsia. And each one of those, you get the instructions on how to do each technique. And then there are five patterns for each one. So there's a hat, a sweater, a pair of socks, a scarf, and a pair of gloves or mitts for each kind of color work. So it's 25 Mm-hmm. designs total um using each different kind of color work which was a lot of fun you know it was it's i like doing books because you get to dive deep into something that maybe you haven't been able to do as much you know in writing patterns for about and other places you know you can do you know maybe one sweater a year or something because it just takes Mm -hmm. a lot of time you know you're doing several scarves or you know a couple of hats but you you know can't can't spend a lot of time all in one technique because people are coming there looking for all sorts of different things and so you're trying to provide as broad a range of things as possible and so in a book you can focus on something specific. And that's a lot of fun for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's a great topic. Because, uh, you know, color working, uh, you know, color work uh, is, you know, such a broad topic. And you can start at the basics. And like, that's right. what you do. And you, and you did in the book where, so you can just start with the stripes, and then mm-hmm. move on, you know, and kind of building on top of your skills. And, you know, I love you know, I love color work, but I'm a bigger fan of like doing like the mosaic type knitting, you know, yeah. like that. So it's like, it looks so, it looks intricate. It looks, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not, I mean, you right. know, you're only dealing with that one color per, per row. So, um, but yeah, so there's, there's such a big world there. And I, I think that, um, you know, knitters can be really intimidated by color. Don't you think? Right. Yes. And I think that that's why it's good to, not only is it technique building, but it's, confidence building so you become more comfortable working with color if you start with oh you know this is just self-striping yarn I didn't have to pick the colors but I can see that these colors look good together so maybe if I were choosing yarn for a color work project myself you know I can see from this you know built for me color work yarn that these colors would be nice in a different project that I can choose those colors myself and you get a little more comfortable with getting beyond monochrome Mm-hmm. projects and that that's you know that's a big part of the fun of knitting is getting to make things your own by choosing fun colors that you like and will be comfortable wearing too so yeah, yeah I, 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 I being able to help with that <laughs> building the confidence in color work sort of both ways in technique and in just being comfortable choosing colors too mm-hmm. yeah and I think that um uh, in many cases it's like you know you, you can it's like painting, right? I mm-hmm. mean, you, you when you can pick the colors, the different colors that you like, and that's how you can really have a lot of fun and think of them, think, think of the colors like 
like paint. And I right. especially like that when you're learning a technique and you're, and you have, you can make small projects and just pull out, you know, yarns from your stash and just learn that way. And then you can dive into the bigger projects. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's great. And so, you know what, I will, um, definitely, uh, share, uh, the information about how, how the listeners can find out about your book in the show notes okay. on that. And so that, you know, they'll have to definitely check it out. So I wanted to switch things up just a little bit here and kind of dig deep if you don't mind. <laughs> so, um, I want to ask every guest, uh, this question, uh, you know, if there was a pivotal moment in your life, you know, something that really turned you on to knitting. Some guests are like, nope, nothing there. But, <laughs> so I, but I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, you know, and that's the thing. I think if it's not that you had some pivotal moment that turned you to knitting, you know, like through, you know, that maybe you, you dealt with struggle, pain, loss, but maybe you found something that knitting taught you something that inspired you and it helps you kind of rise above, you know, a situation. Can you share anything like that? Mm. Well, I learned to knit when I was a kid. I usually say that I learned when I was 10, but I don't actually know how old I was when I learned. But I know that I learned from my grandma and my mom. And I learned because I was a 4-H kid. And we were always spending our summers trying to come up with projects we could enter in the fair. Um, so that's how I learned knitting and sewing and cross stitch and canning and all sorts of crafty life skills um, that uh, are still really important to me today. Um, but I think, I don't know if it's a pivotal moment, but um, the moment when I sort of realized that knitting was something I could be good at was when I was in high school. And I have to say, when I was a kid, my knitting skills did not really progress at all. I never knit a sweater or a sock or anything complicated at all. I knit, you know, knit and purl stitch patterns, squares and rectangles. Mm-hmm. But um, when when I was in high school, a, a friend of the family was having a baby. And so I decided I was going to knit a baby blanket for the fair and then to give as a gift. And so I picked out a pattern that was really basic, like knit and pearl diamond pattern from my grandma's knitting pattern stash, you know, went with her to, to Ben Franklin to get the, you know, uh, pastel variegated acrylic yarn that was what was available back then in the early nineties. And, you know, probably spent all summer knitting this blanket. And went to the fair and it won the grand champion ribbon for the best you know, household item of the fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then wow. I took it to the state fair and it got a red ribbon. And so I was like that, I think that was kind of a moment for me where I went, wow, you know, if I really tried <laughs> to do this, mm-hmm. you know, I could probably be good at it. And then I went to college and stopped knitting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then when um, did you, yes. but when did you come back, back to um, it? After, after college, I would say mm-hmm. in college, you know, it was sort of, like I said, it was sort of the the late 90s and the town I live in didn't have a yarn store. I don't think we even had a big box craft store at that time. So it was just a hard time for knitters. <laughs> and I didn't know anyone who knit other than my mom and my grandma. And um, so, and I was busy in college. So I just stopped for that time. And then after college, um, I I worked nights and my now husband worked days, so I was kind of bored. And so that was when I started both knitting again and freelance writing, which eventually 
came together in writing about knitting for about, which is mm. so. How did that happen? I mean, how did else. how did you uh, stumble upon that gig? I mean, that's like you got to. I mean, you see so your work at home. You're freelance, right? Uh-huh. So yeah, how, I was yeah. at that point. I was still working nights and just looking for things to do during the day. So I started writing for different websites. I started a blog back then that I don't even remember what it was about really um, and was writing a little bit about crafting for other websites and had just been kind of casting around for things that I could do and maybe get paid a little for and came across about, which I knew about back then, about was a really mm-hmm. like you know, when you'd Google pretty much anything about was one of the first sites that would come up. So I had sort of had it on my radar and then uh, saw that they were looking for a knitting writer. And, you know, my skills were probably still not that great at that point, but I could write and I could knit and I somehow convinced them that I was the person for that job. And like I said, now I've been doing it for nine years and that just wow. has led to everything else that I've been able to do, which is really that's cool. really great. You just just were in the right place at the right time with the right That's skills right. and the right, you know, passion. And there you go. I mean, that that is really cool. Um, so as a, you know, I just like to ask this for anyone out there that's, um, you know, designing mm-hmm. and, and trying to start a business uh, in that aspect. For you, what, you know, what would you say is, is a big struggle? Because, you know, you're a freelance you know, person, uh, designer, um, business owner. So what, you know, what is, what is your biggest struggle when it comes to, um, making it all work? Hmm. Um, probably this is probably a pretty common answer, but, um, I would say, you know, just having the time and the focus and knowing what needs to be done when, and having the time to get it all done because I do have like three different websites that I ideally would like to work on every day, but that just, that doesn't happen. So also just being realistic about what you can get done in a day um, and knowing what's really important and what can, what you can let go. Hmm. Um, But also just as a creative business person, I think a big struggle is finding the balance between what you're making for your job and still leaving time to do creative things that are just for you. So, you know, I Mm -hmm. almost never knit something, what I'd say, like for fun, you know, something that somebody else designed. That's so fun for me when I get the chance to do it because you don't have to think so much about what you're doing. You just get to knit. (laughs) And that's really nice. And it's a luxury when you have, when knitting's your job. So Mm -hmm. that's sort of a, a maybe not a warning but a a thing that I you know would advise people getting into a creative industry to think about is that you know to leave some time for yourself Mm -hmm. to be able to do the fun things and just to explore and play with knitting you know to be able to delve into things and be willing to you know just do something and see what happens that might not ever become something that you can publish or write about but Mm -hmm. it's still important to have that creative aspect of it and not just be all the time focused on you know what can I do that'll make money that's really good advice I'm really glad that you brought that up because that that was a later question like what (laughs) you know what advice would you give but we 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 took care of that here and you know because yeah I find that that's 
for myself, you know, I'm, you know, being an editor of a knitting magazine and I need to find that outlet, you know, to do, do things for myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can remember when I first started and I felt within the first six months, because I wasn't used to working in 95, you know, thing where I had been like you freelance for years. And then it was like, whoa, if I don't like take time in the morning for myself or whatever it is, or just to Mm -hmm. sit and knit whatever, you know, just free form, you know, like instead of having to be technical about it, if I don't do something, you know, those lines are going to be, you know, kind of blurred, not blurred, you know, they're going to be blurred, I guess is the right way, if that makes sense. But there's not going to be kind of a separation. And, you know, and so I want to keep my knitting like special, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you don't ever want it to feel like it's all work, like it's not fun anymore. So I think that's why it's also why it's important to have something that's just for you. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not knitting, you know, it could be sure. painting or sewing or something else. That, But to have a creative outlet that is not necessarily to share with the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does um, knitting play a, a role in, your, in the quality of your life? in regards to, you know, your, 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 just your outlook on your, your happiness level, your contentment, your health, you know, how, how does that kind of tie into that aspect of your life? Well, I think I'm lucky in that I still find knitting to be calming and stress relieving, which again, it is not always when that's your job, because it can be really frustrating when you're designing something and it's not coming out the way you see it in your head. But for the most part, I still find knitting to be um, good for stress relief and calming, um, which is definitely helpful in quality of life. And, um, because knitting is kind of something I take everywhere with me, you know, I find it helpful as you get to have great conversations with people who might not otherwise talk to you, but they see you knitting and they, everybody has a knitting story, mm-hmm. <laughs> even if it's just, oh, my grandma knit or my mom crochets because people don't know the difference. <laughs> and or <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Or I always wanted to do that, which is sort of annoying, but because, well, you could do that. But, um, you know, it's nice to have that way to kind of get into conversations with people being sort of shy and introverted. It's nice. And it also is a way for me to, you know, I really need to focus on this stock and knit stitch right now if I do <laughs> somewhere where I don't want to be talking to people. Um, you know, and I also just like that because I do tend to take it with me that it makes me feel constructive all the time. So Mm. if I'm, you know, sitting at the library with my daughter or waiting for her to get out of class or even just watching TV or something, you know, it's important to me to feel like the good kind of busy, not like crazy busy, but just like I'm being productive and doing something constructive. So it's nice even when you watch a bad movie to have a scarf at the end. Absolutely. I love how you use the word constructive. I've never really thought about that with, you know, like kind of the leisurely knitting, Uh you know, because I, I always, you know, I always think of it as more of a, you know, just this like little pocket of time where if you're, you know, you're knitting, let's say, well, TV, if you're sitting and watching TV, that's, you know, that's, that's a, that's a no brainer. I mean, I'm always going to sit there and, you know, knitting with a project on my lap, but, 
you know, if you're out and about, like you were saying before, you know, you're maybe you're in line at, you know, the grocery store or you're at the doctor's office. I mean, these are times that, you know, maybe most people would feel a little bit impatient because they're right. waiting, but not when you're a knitter. <laughs> like, we know, like having time. <laughs> exactly. And I remember um, I lived in St. Pete, Florida for a time and uh, there were lots of bridges like um, that, you know, opened up like a drawbridge, I guess, because lots of a lot of the land was separated by hurricanes and so forth. And I would just, you know, say, oh, you know, I'd see a bridge going up and I'd say, all right, it's time to knit. And I would just have my knitting on the, you know, seat near me just because it was always there, you know, like right. it was sort of a safety blanket. Right. And I would just knit and other people would be like, oh, you know, there goes the bridge. <laughs> You know, so it's a it's it's a gift for us, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's Stephanie Perlmuck Fee is probably not the only person who says this, but that you know when people say, "Oh, I wish I had the patience for knitting," what they don't understand is that <laughs> knitting gives you patience. <laughs> you know, it makes you more able to deal with those situations in life that are aggravating to other people. But we're mm-hmm. we say, oh, "Okay, more knitting time. It's good." Yeah, it is. It's. I think it is. It's definitely such a, it's like almost like a little secret. Like we know it yes. because we're knitters, but it's like, hey, guess what? If you do this, like, you know, you're going to feel better. You're going to be more patient. And, you know, I, I just think that that's just a really special thing. If you discover mm-hmm. it, you find that passion. So, um, yeah, so this, so you kind of, uh, alluded to my next question here about the knitting stories, because everyone has a knitting story, you said. Right. So what is your funny or, or unusual knitting story. Okay, this is really sad because I tried to think of a funny knitting story and I I think that all of my interactions with people related to knitting have been pretty typical that it's, you know, people say what you expect them to say. Um, but I do have something that I hope will become a funny knitting story in the near future, which is um, an item on my knitting bucket list. Um, I... Uh, still live in the town that I grew up in and where I went to college and the um the building that the journalism department which is was my major um is in is called Kimple Hall and it's named after Ben Kimple who was a, a journalist or no an English professor sorry um a long time ago and for many years and there's a bust of Ben Kimple out in front of the building and it has been my lifelong dream probably even when I was in college and not knitting to knit a hat and maybe a scarf for for Ben Kimple <laughs> and then like on the first day of winter or you know the first snowfall day whatever to go on campus and and put a hat on on Mr. Kimball. So oh, maybe maybe this will be the year for that one. And then I will have a funny knitting story. <laughs> well, it's good. It's like your it's your goal, right? So yes. that's that's going to be the story. You're writing the story now. So yes. oh, that's funny. I love it. So do you have a quirky way that you knit? I'd like to ask that question from time to time, you know, because, um, you know, as far as all the, you know, different styles out there of knitting, is there something unique you think? about the way that you you uh, knit or purl. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I think I've actually worked really hard to eliminate the quirkiness from my knitting because I knit so much that I have had to sort of work to consciously be as efficient as I can in my knitting. Um, and I knit English just because that's how I learned. And even though I know how to knit continental, I just never think to do it. It's just my hands do English unless I'm doing color work and I need both hands or something. Um, But I did have a quirk that I have taught myself away from, and I don't know how this happened, but when I learned to knit, I would, when I was forming the stitch, so I'd have 
my needles and I'd have the yarn in my right hand. And I somehow would always drop the right hand needle when I went to, to, to take the yarn around the needle to make the stitch. Mm. And I have no idea why that's how I learned, <laughs> but for years I would always drop the right hand needle, wow. which is, as you can imagine, incredibly inefficient. And I have, you know, repetitive stress injuries from knitting too much anyway. So if you can think about the giant movement that was happening from dropping the needle, taking the yarn around, picking up the needle, ta- making the stitch, it was kind of ridiculous. So I had to consciously train myself, okay, don't drop the needle, hold on to the yarn, make the stitch, whatever, and now it's that second nature. So I feel like I've unquirked my knitting a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say that that was a quirky way that you knit, yes. and now that, you know, now you're good. But um, so you, and you knit English, I was going to ask you if you are, if you're a picker or a thrower, and sure. then, yes, yeah, so you're a thrower, and you said you know how to knit continental, but you don't. Yes. And so why do you, why don't you? Because I, uh, (laughs) yeah, why, what, why, why do you knit English predominantly? Well, I think it's mostly just muscle memory that I've done it for so many years that I haven't, I don't, I feel like I, if I practiced, you know, everyone says that continental knitting's faster. And I think if I practiced, I would probably get there. Um, I hate continental purling though. So I could only probably do it for a stockinette in the round or something (laughs) because... I've no, I've not gotten really good at purling continental, so it's just, you know, mm-hmm. you tend to stick with what you start with. What with you I know. guess exactly yeah. because I I knit continental and um and I'm trying to force myself. You know, my um my boss says, why don't you l- learn English? Because you know maybe uh, everyone, you know, all of those English people, English knitters out there will understand better. You know, like when you're doing a technique of, in a video, right. but no one's ever really said, oh, I don't understand. You know what you're doing on the needle because you're not knitting the way I do. Like in as far as holding the needles, because right. you know the action is actually happening. You know, right there on the tips of the needles so I've never you know had that as you know that to heard that that was an it had that be an issue right um and so uh but purling continental it's interesting that you say that so is it because of just the movement of how you because I use my middle finger to push my yarn down when I'm purling you know like as I still do that with my left hand yeah um but when you're not knitting, you know, when you're working stockinette, they say that the pearls, your pearl stitches can tend to, to sort of slant. So okay. then your, your work doesn't look quite as neat when you knit stockinette as a, hmm. as a continental knitter, because your yeah, your stitches kind of, you know, they, there's some science in there somewhere, <laughs> but, um, there's something about the way purling, like they say, the best thing is English knitting and I'm, I'm sorry continental knitting you know knit continental yeah and then pearl english to get the hmm. most beautiful continental fabric interesting i don't know if you've ever heard of that but that might be something for you to write about <laughs> yeah i'll have to give that a chance <laughs> so um so yeah so um all right let's see so i asked you earlier if you know you had advice for someone wanting to start out in this industry or you know maybe writing i, I think that there may be op- opportunities out there for people that are knitters and writers you know mm-hmm. and that's something that i haven't touched upon yet in this podcast mm-hmm. um you know how how would you guide them well i think it's important for um designers even if they don't intend to write articles about knitting, I think it's it's helpful to be at least passingly decent at writing because you need to be able to express what you're doing in a knitting 
pattern. I mean, you know, there's some shorthand to it, but being able to express clearly what it is you're trying to do in a pattern, um, you know, some writing skills are useful for that. So um, my advice usually starts with starting a blog because that gives you an online home and it's a place where you can write about knitting. You can write about the projects that you're working on and share what you're doing. Um, you know, it gives you a place to send people who want to know more about you. Um, and it's just, you know, a place to sort of practice all those skills that are going to be essential to being a, a designer. And then, you know, be on Ravelry and share the patterns that you're doing, whether they're your your designs or somebody else's projects and then you know go from there to join you know there are groups on Ravelry for any kind of knitting that you're interested in there are groups of designers where you can find call outs for um, submissions to books and magazines and online knitting publications and so that's a great place to start if you're looking for places to submit and then I would say just you know make yourself a goal so say you want to um, submit to two or three different call-outs every month and, you know, have a new design that you share on Ravelry, whether it's you're charging for it or it's free, whatever, for practice, um, and do that every month because, mm -hmm. um, you know, submitting and getting published is really a numbers game and there you're going to get rejected a lot more than you have success probably, especially in the beginning. And, but, but every time you do it, you learn something and every project, even if you just knit a swatch and write about how you would like to design it, even if you never actually knit it, that is helping to build your experience as a designer and the way you think about knitting and the way you submit and all of that gets better and better the more that you do it. And so I think it's really important to just like have a number goal and do that consistently and, you know, and then just be on social networks and make friends with knitters and see what other people are doing. And knitters are generally a really friendly, helpful and supportive bunch of people. And, mm -hmm. and they're easy to find on Twitter or Instagram or wherever, whatever social network you like. And, you know, and it's just inspiring to see what other people are doing too. So that's where I would start. No, <laughs> and, yeah, know. that's really good advice. And so on, uh, let's say about knitting.com, um, what, what kind of projects, uh, or techniques, you know, I mean, tutorials, I guess is what I'm asking. Like what can people find when they go to that website? And is it for the beginner knitter? Is it for knitters of all levels? Like what, what are some of the things that, that you are covering? Okay. Um, mostly it's for beginner to, you know, sort of advanced beginner, intermediate stages. So there's tutorials for everything from, you know, how to make a slip knot and different ways to cast on to, you know, different styles of knitting and purling and their collections of stitch patterns and then actual projects, um, you know, tutorials for different kinds of color work, cables, lace. Um, I try to you know, be as comprehensive as possible in things that people might want to know about when they're starting out knitting from, you know, how to read a pattern, different knitting abbreviations and how to do those things, you know, different increases and decreases. Um, I have book reviews, um, some yarn reviews and products that are different kinds of knitting needles and things to help with our knitting experience and 
just, mm-hmm. yeah, I try to offer a, a wide range of things that people might be interested in mm-hmm. who are getting into knitting or have some experience um, or, you know, used to knit a while ago and need a refresher. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and what about for craft gossip? I mean, what, how would you say that's different than knitting about, I'm sorry, I keep saying that. I'm saying that right, <laughs> about knitting.com. So yeah. how, how are those two, how would you say they're different? Well, craft gossip is more of like a blog kind of. And so sometimes I write about projects I'm working on or I'm sharing a lot of what other people's patterns, you know, like I said, there are bloggers who will send things to me when they have a new pattern out or, you know, it's interesting things in the news that are related to knitting. Like, um, you know, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of, you know, charity knitting news or sometimes you'll find stories about, um, you know, men knitting is a popular one. Some <laughs> people think that it's big news that men knit. So every once in a while I'll be like, have a story about, you know, it's not really that weird that men knit, but you know, there'll be a big story. And some usually it's British <laughs> publications that have make a big deal out of men who knit or, you know, uh, sometimes things like, uh, knitting sweaters for penguins or <laughs> will, will come up in the news. And, uh, so that'll be, you know, get to write about sort of quirky things related to knitting that way. Um, and I share some techniques and things there too. Um, it's just whatever I'm come across that's interesting or that readers share with me that I think people might want to know. I do a lot of pattern roundups there too. So like say, it's winter and you want to knit something fast for a, a Christmas present or, you know, you just need a really warm scarf, you know, then I'll do a, a roundup of 10 or 12 scarf patterns or. Do you offer free patterns or is it mostly leading to uh, the websites, you know, other designers and, and that sort of thing? It's mostly links to other websites. Craft Gossip also has a website called, um, craft bits I think it's yeah craft bits and I do some patterns over there too that I'll always when I have a pattern there I'll link to it on on craft gossip as well but that's a good place for some patterns for all sorts of crafts too so um yeah so this is great and um you know we've been talking for a while and I know that you got to get going soon and I just wanted to ask you just a couple of more you know questions before we wrap up sure. uh so I just wanted to ask you you know more on the personal level um what what is the best advice that you've ever received in your life? Okay. I actually have a sort of knitting related answer to that question, which I was pretty impressed by. Um, <laughs> cool. A couple, of, a couple of years ago, I went to a, a little fiber festival here in Arkansas and um, the keynote speakers were the Mason Dixon knitters. Oh, okay. And um, I went to, I took their, their class there on log cabin knitting. And so after it was over, I, I emailed Ann Chain about, the class and thanking thanking them for being here and you know uh, that I appreciated you know getting to be in their class and they're exactly as delightful as you'd imagine in real life and so she emailed me back and we were having a little conversation and I think I was working on my second book at the time and I was complaining about that I had sustained a knitting related injury and wasn't able to knit because I had been knitting so much for this book and she sent me back a nice email and one of the lines in it was the knitting world needs you and I love that so much that I printed it out and put it on on the wall in front of my computer so I see it all the time but to me that it's more than just about knitting and it's and it's more than just about me that the world needs creative people 
And the, if you have an idea or something you want to explore, that I feel like that's, you know, it's important for you to do that and to share it with the world. And so that's sort of the advice that I would want to share with other people. And the work that I do is all about that, that if you have something creative that you want to express, that you you need to do that and share it with people. That's, so. re- that's really beautiful because, you know, you're, it's almost like a responsibility. You know, if you, yes. you have to, you know, you're going to make people happy with this, you know, creative expression, you know, so that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. So can you share one of your personal habits that contributes to your success? Okay. This one does not so much have to do with knitting, but okay. <laughs> um, one thing that I do that is a daily habit that I think is really important is morning pages. Ah, I do too. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad yeah. you're talking about morning because I have a mo- <laughs> I have a morning podcast, by the way. Yes. But go go on, go on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the other podcasts for more on mornings. But um, yes, so um, for people who don't know what morning pages are, it's three pages in a notebook that you write every morning. And I started again, I've done it off and on my whole adult life, basically, but um, I started again January 1st of last year, and I've probably missed maybe four or five days in the almost two years since then. And it's just, you're not trying to write, you know, it's not about composing some grand thing, but it's just getting things out of your head and you know, you really notice the things in your life that are bothering you because they come up in your pages over and over again. And so like every time Mm -hmm. when I had a real job, every time I knew, I knew it was time to look for a new job when I would start just complaining about work every day in my pages. (laughs) I would would sort of start pages again when I, you know, when I feel like there's a life change that needs to happen, I would start writing morning pages again. And you know, it's just a way to, you know, to see what's important to you at the time and what, you know, what your mind is focusing on. And it sort of makes you aware of what's really going on in your life. And so I don't know if that has anything to do with knitting, especially, but it is just a really important thing to sort of clear out as you start your day. And you can sort of leave things in the notebook and, go on with what you need to do. And that's been really valuable for me. That's great. No, you know, I really do think that it is valuable and it does relate to knitting. If you think about how, and I've said this before, where, you know, knitting is something, you know, that um, can dictate life and life can dictate your knitting, right? And so we're all living lives. We're knitters, but we all have lives. (laughs) And, um, you know, you mentioned the morning. That's, it's a very special time for me, particularly because I do have another podcast called the morning cool down. And I, I get up earlier than I need to in order to have that kind of time. And I do practice something very similar to the morning pages that you mentioned. And it is, I, I, the, the thing that you said about the trend, you know, seeing something that comes up over and over again that you write about if you're having an issue or whatever. So I've noticed that myself. And I always like to think of my journal writing as something that's like a, it's a manual for my, for my own, you know, for me. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of giving you information that 
is only gonna, you know, that's good for you and no one else. You shouldn't just write and put it away. Like really look at those and read them. And I know that, you know, some people will journal and they won't go back to those pages. It's just the act of journaling. But I always go back and read and I'm floored by what I read about myself. (laughs) (laughs) It's really crazy. So thank you for for sharing that because I think, um, you know, you can, you can, let's see, how can we spin this for knitting? You can write about, uh, you know, you can be knitting in silence in the morning and then sit down, put it, put your knitting down and you can write about what, what was going through your mind because I have a lot of stuff that goes through my mind when I knit right. in the early morning. That's very, um, you know, com- com- uh, the word, I'm not going to say it right, but uh, it's, it's a very contemplative practice it can be you know that the act of knitting early in the morning just like anything is so very nice uh way to end this so how can people find you other than the sites you know uh craft gossip about knitting.com and your blog is there any other way that people can find you you know on facebook and you know other social platforms Mm -hmm. okay on facebook um i have uh, it's facebook.com slash about knitting that is all knitting related news. And then I also have an, an our daily craft page over there. Um, on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, I no, that's not true. Um, I'm our daily craft on Pinterest and Instagram. And I'm Sarah underscore E underscore white on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> which I should really change to our daily craft because that's a lot easier to remember. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, those are the main places to find. And, and I'm our daily craft on Ravelry as well. So great. Well, thanks for joining me today, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. Well, that just about does it. And I really hope that you enjoyed this episode with Sarah. Um, it was um, really enjoyable talking to her and I loved to hear her journey and how, what a great gig that is, you know, that she's been, you know, doing this now for nine years, writing for About Knitting or Knitting About, it's actually knitting.about.com if you haven't been there before. Um, So, and it's from the About people, if you remember about.com, way back in the day when that started. So that's one of those early adopters, if you will, right? (laughs) And uh, so knitting.about.com is where you can find, you know, just a ton of information. um, That's it's like a news site, you know, so it's updated quite regularly. And as as Sarah said, so it's definitely something that, you know, should be on your bookmark list to check out. And also, you know, craftgossip.com, another one, great, great, uh, great resource. So get on the list, you know, get on the, um, the alerts and, you know, get, get the newsletters, uh, just so you can stay up to date because I, I get those updates from craft gossip and it's just great because of the fact that you can sign up for not just knitting and yarn, but you can, you can learn about other craft categories and you just get to be in the know about, you know, what's happening. And it can you can consider this just a really good resource for yourself as a knitter. And also if you're, you know, if you're a designer, if you've got a blog, maybe you want to do some reviews. I mean, why not review some of the things that are um, on these sites and just sort of share the love and pay it forward? I mean, it's a beautiful thing that we can do that online. So check it out. And um, by the way, you know, I uh, a couple years ago wrote an article, The Makings of a Magazine, and it's a two-part series that was on knittingabout.com. 
And I just, you know, I just go into like in depth, like kind of the behind the scenes, what it takes to, to make a magazine issue, an issue of a magazine. And there's photos and I show like, here's what a swatch review looks like. Here's what it looks like when you go on a photo shoot. And, uh, you know, just kind of what, you know, what goes, goes on, you know, how it, how it all happens. So you can check that out. And I also want to share just one little piece of information with you that I haven't shared on this podcast before. And that is about another podcast that I produce. And it's called The Morning Cooldown. That's been going strong now since May of 2014. So I started this quite a while ago, but it's really very different than Power Pearls. But I know that there's a lot of crossover. And, uh, you know, the, the reason I started Power Pearls was very different, a very different reason. But I had many people that were cross crossing over, so to speak. So designers and knitters and, and you know, just like my friends who happen to, a lot of them happen to be knitters and they were listening to the morning cool down because, you know, we all have lives outside of our knitting. And, uh, you know, I enhance my life with getting up early and, you know, that, that, that buzzword, you know, that, that phrase, do you have a morning routine? And it's, it's kind of become quite the trend. Well, sure, let's call it a morning routine, but it's something that I've been doing for many years And I have now, you know, I found a community. There's definitely a community of people, which is so cool, right? And then I'm able to talk about what it is that I'm doing in the morning just to to create that launch pad for the rest of my day. And that's what I do on the morning cool down. And that's what the guests on the morning cool down talk about as well. So you can can check out the show. Um, It's morningcooldown.com. And you can also do a search on, you know, iTunes, the show's up there. And I actually relaunched it a couple months ago. Some of my earlier, early, early episodes are, uh, they're in the archives, you know, I'm, I'm going to start pulling those out in, and, and uh, highlighting those encore episodes. And they were me in the really early days, just out there, uh, right after my workout, you know, you could still hear my footsteps, you know, you could hear the birds chirping. So the birds, as I like to say in the early episodes, the birds are my background music. So if you're interested, check out the morning cool down. I'm not going to talk too much more because I've been going on all of a sudden. I am rambling a little bit. But if you like the idea of starting morning routine, you know, getting up early, or maybe you want to take a great inspiring podcast out on your morning run, I think you would really enjoy it. You would enjoy the guests that I feature, um, who all share how they use the morning to create success in their life. So check it out, morningcooldown.com. And if you haven't had a chance yet, please visit iTunes and leave a rating and review for this podcast. Why is this so important? And I say this every time because it's really going to help me greatly in getting the word out to more knitters and those wanting to learn this craft that we are all so very passionate about. Also, if you have a special knitting story something that's really transformational that happened in your life and something that you think would really affect the lives of others, I'd love to hear from you. If you feel that your story will help inspire others on their knitting journey, then please go to powerpearlspodcast.com and click on tell your story and leave me a short voice recording there about your story and why you think you should be a guest on the podcast. And if you have a question or a comment or want your burning questions answered, you can also leave a recording for that as well, because each month, Tabitha Hedrick and I answer your burning knitting questions on Ask Kara and Tabitha Anything, which is a special edition series on this podcast. And with that, I will leave you and I hope to see you next time.